You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. I'm Brittany Grover. And I'm Jan Westmark, and you are listening to the special monthly Sidelines Magazine episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for April. Sideline is the magazine for horse people, about horse people. Good morning, horse world. Athletics is proud to be one of the longest-running equestrian marketing agencies in the business, working exclusively with equestrian brands, athletes, and events. Think of athletics as an extension of your team, providing highly specialized equestrian marketing tools to take your business to the next level. Specializing in social media, sponsorships, public relations, marketing, and more, visit athletics.com, A-T-H-L-E-T-U-X.com today for your free consultation. Our first guest is Casey LaRusso-Smith, a licensed mental health counselor who works out of her own Walnut Hill Farm in Plainville, Massachusetts. She has been involved with horses since she was six years old and now uses horses as facilitators in her counseling work while also actively competing. Hi, Casey. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Good. So Casey and her husband, Colin, just had um, dinner with myself and my husband, Jerry, not too long ago at the uh, World Equestrian Center in Florida. And it was so awesome to catch up with you. Same. Thank you so much for inviting us. The whole time we were sitting there, um, I was just thinking about how you're a mental health counselor and you do jujitsu. And for whatever reason, it made me spill my guts. I told everything stuff. Nobody even asked me. And I just said things. I love it. It was a, yeah, it was hysterical. <laughs> Later, we were like, wow, what was that all about? I was like, I don't know. She, she must just be a really good therapist. I think so. <laughs> she had me talking and didn't even mean to. Anyway, it was pretty funny, uh, but it was great. It was great to, uh, great to actually meet you and meet your husband, and uh, we just had fun. So um, what has your... You've been at the World Equestrian Center for a couple months. What's your experience been like this winter? It has been amazing. Like, I have taken every opportunity I can to tell people there how wonderful the show is run. The uh, The staff is amazing. Everybody's friendly. I find that most of the competitors are friendly, too. Uh, and it just couldn't be a nicer facility. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Um, we... Uh, we all went to dinner at the Yellow Pony, which is one of my favorites, even though it was a little loud in there that night because everybody was there. Uh, it was still really fun. Um, okay, so what horses were you competing uh, in Ocala? So I competed Iceman, who's my main jumper. He is a 15-year-old Belgian warm blood. And we did the high amateur jumpers and a few of the future pre-classes. Uh, my goal coming down here was to show him in some of the Grand Prix, And I think we both definitely could have done it, but we started out in the meter 35, then went up to the meter 40. And he was just so good at that height that uh. I, didn't, I didn't feel it needed to push it and make him jump a meter 50 because he is getting older. Uh, and so we were pretty competitive. We got a good amount of ribbons, paid for our classes. A bunch. Oh, that's good. So, <laughs> I didn't push it. I, I had fun. I felt confident. And I thought that was the best decision. Yeah. Well, awesome. 
Well, that's pretty cool. So your story appears in our April issue of Sidelines, so everybody can go check it out. Um, And in the story, we find out that you are a mental health counselor working out of your Walnut Hill farm in Massachusetts. Now, you talk about in the story that a lot of your um, childhood experience with depression and other things led you to this profession. So tell us about that. Like, tell us your story behind how you became this mental health counselor. So I struggled with uh, PTSD for a lot of my teen years, Uh uh, and I had the best therapist ever. Um, And so by working with him, it really inspired me to go into counseling. He um, really challenged me because I didn't want to talk about my feelings. I, I wanted to get better, but I didn't. I didn't know how, and I had talked to a few therapists prior who just, we didn't click and I didn't feel validated or taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And so his ability to treat me like an adult, uh, but also acknowledge the fact that like when you're a teen, your brain does not work like an adult. Uh, <laughs> it was really helpful. And he introduced me to dialectical behavioral therapy, which is now a big part of my practice. And that therapy was instrumental in me getting better, but also now in, in what I do to help other people. Can you just in like a couple sentences explain what that kind of therapy is? Definitely. So DBT is made up of a few different modules, uh, mindfulness, interpersonal effectiveness, emotion regulation, and distress tolerance. And so they're all different skills to help you uh, navigate emotions, to like understand why you have emotions, to understand that you don't always have to act on them and to learn how to live in the moment and not, uh, not let your past, present or future impact every decision you make in a negative way. (laughs) Okay. That makes sense. Uh, and probably very helpful. So, um, do you see a lot of mental health struggles in the equestrian world? I mean, I know it's in general in the entire world, but what about, what do you see in the equestrian world? There's a lot of pressure, you know, in the equestrian world to to compete and ride and, and all that. Exactly. And there's so much judgment. Like that's mm. something that I've thought about a lot this season. And I do my best to like not be on social media a lot, but it's really hard. And every other thing I see is somebody making a judgment about somebody else. And then right. that that just like adds to anybody's anxiety or depression or whatever they're going through, um, self-image with like, uh, eating disorders and body dysmorphia. Like that's something that the equestrian world really struggles with. And there's never, there's never good enough in like any area of, of yourself or horses. And so I think, uh, people really, people in the horse world really struggle with that. And if we could all learn to, to be a little more graceful with each other and think about where everybody's coming from, uh, it would be a much more supportive community. Wow. Are are most of your clients equestrians as well? No, I I work with, so I'd say maybe 20 or 30% of the people I work with are equestrians. And we do a lot of uh, sports psych work, but also just a lot of mindfulness. And then the remaining percent is people who may or may not have ever seen a horse before. So you use horses in your therapy, right? Do you use those in all of your sessions or how do you, how do you integrate horses into what you do? 
I use horses in the majority of my sessions. Uh, the people that I meet with virtually, I don't work with the horses, but on occasion I'll, I'll be in the barn and I can do the uh, virtual therapy in the barn so they can like see the horses and see where I'm working from. Uh, but I do a lot of natural horsemanship with people because there's so many uh, specific techniques or uh, exercises that are so right on with emotion regulation work. Mm. And so learning to get a horse to like back up or come towards you based on your energy is something I love to teach people because when you can learn that you can harness your energy, like in a conversation with somebody and get your point across without having to think about every little word you use is, Mm. is really like empowering. Yeah. That's, that's super helpful. I was just talking about that recently with a a friend of mine, we were talking about kind of the difference between dogs, horses where, where dogs, you know, it doesn't matter usually what, what mood you're in, they'll just love you and let you love on them. And the the horses, you know, horses do care. (laughs) And if you show up to the barn angry, you know, they're gonna, they're not gonna behave the same way. And so it really kind of forces people to learn how to, to, to regulate their, their emotions. Like you're, like you're saying, that's, that's really cool that you're able to use those, those passions that you have and, and help so many people. And I know, you know, speaking of mindfulness, you are also a black belt in jujitsu. Um, hmm. how, how has that impacted your horse life? It has been extremely helpful. I never realized when I started how, how much that they would play on each other. And so I always think about how horses have helped me learn how to manage my emotions. And I thought for a long time that you didn't, when you're in the saddle, you didn't want to have emotions. And now I'm realizing that's not exactly correct. Uh, but jujitsu taught me how to use my emotions to benefit everything I do. And so if I'm frustrated, how do I channel that frustration into something positive? Uh, or if I'm feeling really stuck, how can I sit with that emotion? And so when I'm on course and something isn't going well, I don't have to panic because I've been in uncomfortable situations before and I'm, I'm going to be okay. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't realize that emotions and that mindfulness was such a big part of jujitsu until I, until I read your story. So that's, that's really, that's yeah, really and cool. It, and it makes you scared when you're having dinner with her. Cause she might just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> she might jujitsu me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it has been like, such an incredible thing to learn because having obviously like I would never want to have to use what I know in the real world. Right. Uh, but being able to walk around life, knowing that like, if I was in trouble, I could probably be okay. Like I could get out of it makes it so much easier to have conversations with people and to have good posture and to feel really confident. Because I don't look like an intimidating person. No, you're 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 lit. You're small and pretty, and have a nice smile, and you look like I don't know, and not a ju- black belt in jujitsu. <laughs> oh, that is that is so cool. What does getting a black belt in jujitsu entail? Just quickly, I'm curious. So I've trained for about ten years. I probably for the first little bit trained almost every day. Uh, now I'm training like four times a week, but. It isn't something like karate where you have to learn very specific techniques and that's how you move up the ranks. It's more of like a general knowledge. uh, And your coach looks for like, like one of my big things is 
being comfortable being uncomfortable and mm-hmm. being able to push through difficult training sessions. Um, and also just like competing was part of it. Like it doesn't, you don't get your black belt cause you win competitions, but I mean, it can help. Wow. So it was t- 10 years of training all the time and learning how to teach other people how to do it and learning how to be a stronger person mentally and physically. Wow. And, you know, if you're really lucky, you might meet some cool people, right? I hear you met your husband through jujitsu. I did. It was <laughs> so funny. I, the first day I met him, a friend of mine from the horse world was coming into watching the training and she took one look at him and said, you're going to marry him. Ah! <laughs> wow. And what'd you say to that? I mean, he, he's very attractive. So I was like, yeah, that would be great. But I hadn't <laughs> spoken two words to him. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, now does he, does he ride or help with the horses at all? What's his attitude toward them? He loves the horses, but he's, uh, he has his own passions and stuff. So he's not super invested in, in riding himself. Uh, but I mean, if he, if I need him to turn in horses or feed, he totally knows how to do that. And he's ridden Iceman a few times. Oh, really? That's funny. I didn't realize that he'd actually ridden some. Um, well, uh, part of your story, you talk about your faith and I know that you have uh, scripture verses on your saddle pads. What, which, what scripture verse is that? It's first Corinthians ten thirty one, And it talks about how, you should do everything for the glory of God. And I actually had my saddles fixed earlier this year. And the person who fixed my saddles had all of the scripture written in his workshop. And so I told him about my, my life verse and he uh, leather stamped it onto my saddles. Oh, no way. That's really wow. cool. Did you wow. call it your life verse? Mm-hmm. I love that because I love that that was one thing I got from your story is that how um, you use love in all that you do, you know, like you, you try to treat your horses with love and, and, you know, obviously sharing love and trying to help people in your work. I think that's just, that's so amazing to just have something that helps you have a focus in your life of what you want to be. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, Casey, it was so awesome to meet you and Colin in Ocala and I've never been, oh, I have been to Boston. I was going to say I've never been to Massachusetts, but I've been to Boston. But I would love to come up and see your farm and meet you. I mean, meet uh, Kim. We'll have to have Kim come over. Of course, I don't know when that's going to be, but maybe one of these days. Well, you're always welcome. Let me know. Okay, I will. Well, thank you for letting us do a story on you. It's a great story. It's inspirational. Um, If you know somebody that has mental health problems, um, issues. It's a great story to read and gain some information and maybe re- be able to reach out to somebody. Um, and we're just uh, thankful to also get to talk to you today, Casey. Well, thanks for having me. I love this. If you enjoy the interviews on this podcast, you'll love a subscription to Sidelines Magazine. Each monthly issue is filled with inspirational and interesting stories of equestrians from all different English disciplines, along with incredible photography, equine artists, young writers, charities, and more. As a special for podcast listeners, you can get an entire year of sidelines delivered right to your mailbox for just $7.48. That's less than lunch, and you'll enjoy some good reads all year long. Go to sidelinesmagazine.com and click subscribe options under subscriptions and enter the code HRN to get your exclusive half-off price. 
Mikey Terriot Stutes is a passionate inventor who has made it to the highest levels of the sport with only one horse at a time. She's also an entrepreneur, mother of three boys, and host of the Kentucky three-day event series Behind the Barn. Frankie, you have had an amazing eventing life, and you even continue that by working at Land Rover. Now, tell us what you'll be doing at Land Rover this year. Yeah, so this year I'll be helping produce and be featured with, obviously, some amazing riders in our Behind the Barn series, which we started a few years ago. So those will all be edited and ready to roll and hit the social media and the website and everything for the three-day event there on their channel, um, all prior to Wednesday, we'll have them all cut. So they'll come out to the public uh, during the week, but we'll have them all done and dusted by Wednesday so that I can switch hats and we can move on to kind of the next phase, which I have a big role with USDF there. I'll be doing the lead commentary this year on the four-star broadcast with my friend Sinead Halpin in the seat next to me. And then I will be doing my kind of more typical sideline reporting that I created there and have done for the last many, many years for the five-star. Wow, that's awesome. Now, you know, I watched all of your Behind the Barn videos last year. And um, did you come up with that idea? No, so actually that idea was kind of just a really interesting thing that came to fruition when the event was going to potentially not take place and they Uh were short on funding. And actually Sarah Cosenpluck and uh, Dorothy Crawl came to me and said, hey, we we need to do something. What can Mm -hmm. we do to raise money wherever we can? And they said, we think you can probably help us and work with us to come up with something. So they really spearheaded the concept and we took it to the event and to USF and we ended up kind of all parties at B said, you guys are welcome to create whatever we know you and trust you. So if you take the lead on it, you can, and it's been really exciting. We've been able to create some sponsorship opportunities for the brands that we work with at athletics at a great rate and bring them in to support the episodes. And then since kind of that initial year, we changed the spin on what the episodes were a bit last year and we're going to continue that trend this year. And so it's just been a great thing that the event can feature for creating an opportunity where people can get to know the riders and the personalities and things a bit better before the event and a little bit during the event, depending on which question it is. Yeah. That's one thing I really like about watching them is that you got to know different, you know, eventers. Um, yeah, that was pretty, yeah. pretty cool. And I'm yeah. I'm not sure if you saw, yeah, I'm not sure if you saw the first ones, but the first year was totally different. So the nice thing is we don't have any kind of restrictions on what it has to look like. We can decide annually what fits best. Uh-huh. So the first year they were sit down interviews in a really beautiful layout that Dorothy had helped pull together. And they were really, really kind of emotional stories. For example, like I talked about in the sidelines article, you know, the story about Allison wearing her helmet for the first time and what right. her family's been through. And they were really, really incredible untold stories about some of the biggest names in sport. And then last year we took kind of more of a fun approach and we're going to stick with that this year. And then we'll see kind of where it takes us for the next. Okay. That's cool. Now tell how, tell us how people can watch them. Um, if they've never heard of them, yep, how, they how are they going to see them? them 
On the new Kentucky three-day website, there's actually a big logo that says behind the barn and you can click there to watch the past ones. And then they'll go up there all throughout the event and you'll be able to check them out there. They'll also be on the Kentucky three-day event social media. Every time a new episode's posted, that's where they'll live. And then they'll be shared for on rider pages and uh, to the media out from there as well. Perfect. Well, yeah. And sidelines did run them all last year. So we will run them again. Yes. Yeah. We would love you to do that again. So thank you so much. Yeah. One of the, the parameters when we kind of come up with this concept that was really important to me was that I think a lot of pieces are created and they're not wanting to be shared between different you know, places or, mm-hmm. or where they're created from. And to me, this was really important that it really is about promoting the event. So one of my huge stipulations in agreeing to do it was that it didn't necessarily belong in terms of media rights to anyone. I mean, obviously they're, they are the events creation, but that they would be shared everywhere so that they're a great thing that you guys, for example, can use to hype up what's going on in these riders. And I think it's super beneficial for all of us if people are getting to know these amazing athletes. I agree. Yeah, I do agree. Now, um, Yes. Okay. Now let's switch to talking about your horse. Tell us about your horse, Cooley Skywatch. Is that how you say it? Cooley? Yeah. Cooley Skywatch. So we call him Tolan in the barn. With the Tolan T. like the country? No, Tolan with a T. So oh, Tolan. T-O-L-A-N. Okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's an amazing horse that team Rebecca purchased for me. Liz Holiday Sharp had him. And I was kind of thinking about getting a horse again, but not entirely sure just because I'm so slammed with work and the boys. And Liz said, Liz was out for a clinic and she said, I have this horse. I think you should sit on him. He seems like your type of guy. (laughs) And I happened to be going to Florida the next week. So I said, sure. And I went and and sat on him and really loved him, but then I didn't have anyone to buy him. (laughs) which I had told her up front. Um, so yeah, so I kind of was trying to put the syndicate together and then long story short, ended up reaching out to the amazing fairy godmother of mine, Sarah Broussard. Uh-huh. And she said we would love for him to be a Team Rebecca horse. So Jerome and Sarah uh, and that whole family, of course, just being so supportive and it's been really fun. We just got back. I got back actually at 1 a.m. from driving up from Galway and he won the modified there. So Awesome. Get cracking the prelim now. Yeah. And Sarah was there riding and her daughter was riding. So it's just been a a fun journey so far. He's a really young horse, Um, not only in age, but kind of just in who he is a little bit. So he's taking a little while to produce properly, but I think he's, he's starting to catch on. So (laughs) we'll see. That's awesome. Well, um, I think Brittany has a few questions for you, but then uh, I did want to tell have everybody know that your story is in the April issue of Sidelines. So if you want to learn more about Frankie and more of her story, uh, go to the issue, um, uh, the April issue of Sidelines. It's an incredibly impressive story because yes. Frankie, you're just an incredibly impressive person, including, you know, I, uh, you're, you're the mother of three boys. I have one four-year-old girl. And so I was kind of blown away to read that you were five months pregnant when you competed in a four-star. <laughs> that is just like, tell us a little bit about that experience. 
Yeah, I mean, it, you know, my becoming a mom and and kind of rewind to my first son, I was competing Chatwin at the, you know, various levels when I got pregnant. And it was important to me to produce that horse myself. And so I wanted to do his, with my first son, I did his first intermediate when I was pregnant. And again, it was just important to me to kind of put in the hard work and see it through. And so I did his first intermediate in my first pregnancy and this big thing we have out West called the preliminary challenge. And with my first son, I would joke that there's something so lucky about him, which you still have that you couldn't lose. I think I, I did six events pregnant and I won them all. <laughs> no way. Wow. Um, <laughs> and it was, yeah. You just couldn't lose like including the preliminary jack- or uh, challenge where my jacket wasn't buttoning. <laughs> so I did that with Drake. That's my oldest name. And then um, with Kingsley, obviously a few years had gone by and we, you know, had kind of moved up the levels and had a fair amount of success. And so I was getting ready to do Chatwin's first four-star long and, you know, knew coming into the season that I was pregnant um, and kind of knew from my prior pregnancy what my physical limitations would be and when it would be. Um, I rode Chatwin and um, a mare I was rehabbing at the time, Euphoria, who had ridden a long time, until 10 days before I delivered Drake. So I kind of knew how long I could jump. I knew kind of how I'd felt. So I felt like I could do what my plan was the second time around. What I didn't anticipate was how much more pregnant you feel, how much quicker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, for Bromont, it wasn't my first plan again, which I had talked about in your guys' article, but I was meant to go to Jersey and he stepped on himself in the wash rack after dressage and was really lame. So then at that point I was facing needing qualifications for the next year, um, which, you know, you look ahead, you look ahead and you don't realize how important something is at the time. But if I hadn't made the decision, I I couldn't wait till Rebecca farm. I was going to be far too pregnant then. So my (laughs) next option was Bromont. And so he stayed East, which was a little hard. And I went back and forth and we went to Bromont but I was definitely more pregnant than I wanted to be. (laughs) Um, But I think everybody's different mentally, you know, no matter what they're doing. And I think you feel a different comfort pregnant. And I feel like what I did doesn't necessarily mean everyone has to feel that way at all. It's just, I felt kind of like a mama wolf. I was not going to fall off no matter what. So (laughs) I went and did it and he was amazing. And then you kind of look forward to the next year was when I won the national championship and Rebecca farm with those two little boys. And my youngest was, um, not yet one years old when I, when I went to Fairhill and won. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Bromont was really important because if I hadn't gotten that in, I wouldn't have been qualified for all those things the next year. And it kind of all wouldn't have fallen how it did. So, um, yeah, so I did Bromont and then that same year, actually with pregnant with Kingsley, I was bound and determined, um, the year prior I did the dressage, pair dressage championships for Chatwin 
And I really wanted to do those again. And I thought, well, after Bromont, he'll have, I give my horses like a long break after the ones like that in my field. So he'll have like six weeks off of vacation. And then I can kind of bring him back into work and do the dressage championships. And then I send him south to Tammy to kind of keep him going for me for a couple of months before I was ready to rock again in the new season. And Kingsley was due in November, so it was really good timing. But the dressage championships are the end of September that year. <laughs> and so oh, wow. I had, again, probably two mentally tough decided that I was going to go and do the third level championships. But I hadn't done any qualifiers because he'd been on the East Coast to get to Bromont. <laughs> so <laughs> wow. he got home. And as soon as he got in work, a very more pregnant than I anticipated Frankie <laughs> was quickly getting qualifiers <laughs> oh, wow. and then went to the dressage championships. And that was the last day I rode. The last, my last test at dressage championships with him was the last day I rode. And we were reserve champion, but my coat, I was very much pregnant. <laughs> so I think I just walked and I, I know Chat so well, fortunately, but I just walked and cantered and, and then went into the test. I couldn't find the strength to trot. I was like, whatever. Oh man. I can't even so, imagine trying to yeah. trot pregnant. Like <laughs> No, horrible. And this one amazing woman at the cross championships in the warm up. I was feeling quite defeated in the afternoon. And when you're pregnant, you're really, you know, bigger in the afternoon and it was really hot. And she looked at me and she said, you go girl. I rode until the last day of my pregnancy and you're, you could do this. Okay. Thanks for saying (laughs) that. (laughs) Like I always feel like in riding as a whole. And also when you're pregnant, you just, people make little comments and they don't realize how much they mean you know, but for me, mm. even her saying that, like, gave me the ability to maybe sit the trot and the test for a few strides. <laughs> so. Wow. That's amazing. I love that. Well, I mean, clearly you are, uh, you know, so talented and so driven. And I understand that you have, uh, you have a brother who's an actor and a, another brother who's a designer. What, what do you think gives you and your siblings that drive to succeed and follow your dreams? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. My parents never really pushed us to kind of have to do anything. I think it's just something that my brother was always, my actor brother was always a real entrepreneur. Like he was always at the flea market, even as a little kid, like selling anything. (laughs) (laughs) Literally from day one, like that's just how he always was. So I'm not surprised that he this latest show he's on, he wrote it and uh, sold it to CBS. So he's a creator as well as the star of it. And by the way, I have, Fire I, yep, I have been watching Fire Country. My husband and I have been watching it and we love it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, he was on the CMT uh, Music Awards last night presenting. And um, he still texted me <laughs> yesterday and said, hey, Remember, you have to pick us up from the airport on Friday. So it's great to see that, you know, no matter what your siblings become in life, they're still your siblings. Um, But yeah, my brother actually has been on a few TV shows that have been very successful. He's on a show before this called Seal Team um, for many, many years. And they actually killed him off of it because he wrote Fire Country and they were getting ready for him to be on that. But um, we all live in Sonoma County in a very rural, rural location. My brother has 90 acres 
and I live just about a mile and a half around the corner and my mom's close by as well. So, um, my brother is a very, very country guy and, um, kind of just really laid back personality. And he's, you know, working incredibly hard on these shows, but it doesn't mean, unfortunately, they're gone filming 10 months out of the year. So it's, you know, it's definitely a hustle for now for him and my amazing sister-in-law who's been with since they were 15 and my nephews. And he actually wrote Fire Country in order to hopefully be here. He based it in our hometown in Northern California. Um, And then CBS, unfortunately, said anything that doesn't have a current law is going out of state. So, Aww. yeah, they film in Canada, and they have another ranch now up um, in Washington. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we definitely, I think our parents just kind of gave us the freedom to do what makes you happy in life. And our um, mom and dad worked really hard at whatever they were doing, whether my mom was, like, the most amazing stay-at-home mom, and my dad was a vintner. And so, you know, I think a lot of it is they worked hard with what they were passionate about and we do too. And then we had a surprise come later in life and our parents had a, a son who's 14 years younger than me. So that's our third brother. So he's wow. in the midst of creating a clothing line and kind of finding his direction. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a fun thing. I love that. And now that you're a mom, what are your boys interests that you get to, support like your parents have supported you and yours? Yeah. Well, my husband was a professional baseball player. So everybody kind of, when our oldest was born, they're like, is he going to ride or play baseball? And we both said, like, we hope neither. (laughs) 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 Whatever he wants. Like we're, we're kind of leaning toward bowling scholarship. But yeah, I mean, they're all, they're all so different. I think you get who you get um, with kids and people and our boys are very, very different. So they're incredibly athletic. Our, we have a seven, five and one and a half. So obviously I'm not really sure what Steele's going to do yet. He's very, very wild and game to do anything. So I'm sure he'll do something kind of funny. And our oldest um, is a total wild card. So I, again, I don't know. They both, the older ones play sports, but you know, my oldest is into trap making and really intricate kind of crazy (laughs) things. And then my middle one is like a run of the mill, um, calm laid back guy. So I don't know, again, you know, probably like my siblings, very different things, but, um, hopefully they find what makes them happy. I love that. That's, that's one of the best things about, being a mom, I think, is just getting to see them be their own their own little people. But uh, thank you so much for joining us, Frankie. This has been so much fun to to get to know you and your amazing life. And I'm sure that our reader, our listeners are going to uh, want to look up your story and read more about you and find out more, more about all the amazing things that, that you're doing. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Jan, that was so much fun getting to talk to Frankie. You know, I ever since I was a little girl and found out that Lexington, Kentucky was even a thing and the horse park there, I've always wanted to go. And I have never been uh, even to the three-day event. I want to someday, but I understand that you go quite often. Yeah, I try to go every year and 
Fortunately, now I only live like five hours away, but the Kentucky Land Rover, the Land Rover 3, oh, now has a new name. Obviously, everybody used to just call it Rolex, and now we have to call it, well, we don't have to, but we do call it Land Rover, and it's the uh, Land Rover Kentucky three-day event, and it is awesome, and I'll tell you what, it is crowded. Um, the um, there's two first the first two days are dressage, and then uh, cross-country on the Saturday, and there's like, last year there were 80,000 people there. Wow. On cross country day, they just all it, stand around. Well, they walk. They walk oh. through the course. You can the, so the course is roped off where the riders are actually going on, and then you can stand right outside the ropes and watch them go by. Wow. Um, yeah, and uh, then on the last day, it's show jumping. Um, but it is pretty incredible. Part of the big draw there is the shopping. Uh, people come and shop like crazy because there's just so many vendors. Uh, and it's pretty cool. Um, the crazy part about Lexington is the weather. And you'll see it if you even look it up on Facebook about like, hey, I'm going to Land Rover. People will immediately respond with, well, you need to have a raincoat and sunscreen and shorts and hats and winter coats and gloves because it can be crazy, um, beautiful in the morning and then rain like crazy in the afternoon and then snow later. <laughs> it's just, wow. it's a weird um, system there, I guess. Their weather systems, it's precarious because uh, it's always a little unusual. Um, well, hopefully there's no tornadoes, you know, hopefully they don't throw tornadoes into that mix with all the tornadoes gosh, across the country. <laughs> I, know. I hope not either. I know, hope not either. So you'll have to go sometime. The cool part for the media, which since I'm there, I'll be part of the media, is that, um, the guy who whoever designs and builds the cross country course, they either take the media in a in a wagon and take them all through the jumps and explain them to them, or they uh, uh, show us a video and, and explain it that way. And then a few years ago when I was there, um, I got to ride with Captain Mark Phillips in a in a Land Rover, and he took us around to the different jumps. It was just like three or four wow. of us, and he told us about the different jumps, which was pretty cool. That's uh, amazing. But, yeah, but it's it's a pretty wonderful, um, you know, and it's a five star. So they have a five star and a four star. Um, so I think I don't know if that's a four star or a three star. I think it's a four star. Um, and, you know, so you're looking at the top riders. It's it's very cool. And then the whole uh, Rolex Stadium is there, um, which is pretty cool, because when you walk through the center of it, it has on the walls everybody that's in the like the show jumping Hall of Fame or just I guess and there's just all kinds of horses and pictures of riders and which is very cool. Um, wow. Yeah. And then they, then you're also at the Kentucky horse park. So they have the stallions hall of fame where they bring the different stallions out and they're like, this is, you know, a horse that won whatever races. And, uh, and then they have the world world of breeds or something like that. I'm not sure what the name of it is, but they bring out all these different, oh. it's a different set place and they bring out all these different horses and they ride them. Uh, and one of our photographers, Hannah Waraway, uh, used to work there and she would ride one of the horses. Like she oh, came out. Wow. Yeah. She's posted pictures before. I'll have to tell her we mentioned her, but, um, and then they have, uh, just so many things you can do. You can go like in a ride by pulled by the draft horses. They have a draft horse barn. Uh, they have a little barn for kids. They have the kid jumps up. So the kids are all over there jumping the little, you know, show jumps. Yeah. yeah. You, uh, you have to go. You will love it. That would be so fun. Well, we'll meet there. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yes. Okay. 
Oh, and also, there's just, when you come, just make sure to bring lots of money for shopping because they have this giant building. I guess it's the vendor building. And there's just, you know, hundreds of um, uh, vendors in there. And then they have all these tents set out all along the roads for as far as you can see. So it's a, it's quite a big thing. Wow. That's so much fun. I love wandering those little booths and seeing all the different things that people are selling and finding all the things. So it's pretty amazing. So that sounds like fun. (laughs) So sidelines will be there at this year's 2023 uh, Land Rover. So make sure to look for me. Sidelines can be found at sidelinesmagazine.com where you can subscribe to the sideline scoop and get every new issue in your email free. Find the links to today's guests and the show notes at horseradionetwork.com. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. Thanks to our sponsor, Athletics. We'll see you on the sidelines. 